0: Hey there, Knicks fans! How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I am here with, of course, the one and only um, my co-host, Jeremy Cohen. Um, Jeremy, I I imagine you're going to be watching, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, I imagine you're going to be watching the Last Dance premiere tonight, is that
1: fair to say? Either watching or certainly recording it, okay. one of the two.
0: Yeah, I um, I was just thinking about that as we we, we went to air, I guess, because um, I'm like I told you, we're I'm going to be doing um, the, for the second half of this podcast talking to a couple of buddies of mine, but they're like closer to me in age, and I'm I'm going to be very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, we, maybe we could talk about it next week. Um, as someone who uh, was like not really like, do you you don't remember Michael Jordan on the Bulls? I, I guess right.
1: No, the only memory of Jordan I have is when he was on the Wizards. That was actually my first game seeing Jordan on the Wizards beat the Knicks at MSG. But yeah, I I have zero recollection of Jordan's Bulls.
0: Yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll maybe talk about that uh, next week and moving forward. Um, so um, just to fill everybody in at home, we're gonna do. Uh, this is gonna be a two part episode. Um, Me and Jeremy are going to talk for a little while, and then um, a little bit later on, um, as I said, I'm going to recap the – or provide reaction to the first, uh, I guess, two episodes of The Last Dance. But um, before we get to that, Jeremy, you put out um, a – I have to say, thorough does not begin to describe uh, what what you did. I'm like – I'm looking at the table you made. So – for anybody who doesn't subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter, which uh, is free, and uh, just go to my Twitter bio and and you could sign up for it there. Um, Jeremy had on I guess Wednesday, um, uh, essentially a a breakdown of the Knicks salary cap, but it was more detailed than that because you went into you know detail on kind of the nitty gritty, and I think it's it would it's a good time to talk about it because you know we're always projecting forward what this team is going to do, what can they do, what shouldn't they do. And you kind of set in stone, like what, what actually are they capable of doing based on where the financials are right now and what the financials project to be. And you actually took the next step and you kind of assumed the most likely assumptions. And given those most likely assumptions, what are those totals going to be? It was phenomenal. Um, how long did that table t- take you to make, by the way? It's a really pretty table, I got to say.
1: Thank you. Um, so, uh, Jeff Siegel of Early Bird Rights made a very similar table. And basically, what I did was I copied and pasted a good portion of it and then tinkered with the rest. And I added some other details. For example, he doesn't really have um, team salaries up there, I believe. So, I kind of added that. And then I added the, the max contract in terms of length for what can be allocated. And, um, I also, I built out the 21, 22 projections because he, what he did was he had the 2020, 2021 season and he had the, you know, the current projected and max room. So I just took that and applied it to 2021. And, um, you know, I, I, I had to, I, I couldn't exactly take the formula because there's some numbers that are put out there, but I had to go into some background to, determine what would be certain costs and how those would factor in. But, um, I would say the whole thing took me a few hours and then collecting tweets and, uh, and I, I got some really great questions. I'm sorry. I wasn't able to get to all of them, but basically just trying to elaborate from there. And it helped me honestly by doing it because it, it really got to put a lot of what I'm thinking onto paper or, you know, not physical paper, of course, unless you're Printing out articles, which I don't I don't know why anyone would be doing that. But I used to do that, are. by the way. Okay. Well, I, specifically yeah,
0: like, when, when I – when because like I in my school building, the reception in the bathroom was really bad. So – and I used to like to spend my time reading when I had to, you know, go do my business. So I would occasionally print out articles and bring them into the lavatory with me.
1: Okay. So if you're doing something like that, awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for not yeah, judging it, me um. Oh, no, not, not at all. Well, I appreciate reading it. reading material. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was the biggest thing where I was I'm basically starting this series and as I was going through it, I texted John. I was like, you know, I know that I have this article that's supposed to come out but I I think that there's something else I can do with the salary cap in terms of breaking that out. And I felt that that would serve as a better foundation moving forward and, and just, I, I feel like a lot of Knicks fans, um, to no fault of their own, it's just a lot of this isn't isn't necessarily something that they're familiar with and it's my goal to essentially help create and I know this is something you share as well help create uh, an environment that just makes for a more well-rounded and educated community and if I was able to do that in for anyone then I'm I'm really pleased at the outcome
0: yeah um and and I think for me and I, I my the thing I want to ask you is like what what was your main takeaway from this, my main thing is like, we, we come, we came off of last summer, um, with this idea of like, okay, if nothing else, we have a massive, 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 massive amount of flexibility, financial flexibility moving forward. Um, but when you say that you, you know, tend to gloss over stuff that, you know, like, you know, rookie salaries tend to add up, especially rookie salaries um, from players that were picked high in the draft. You know, RJ Barrett in the 21, 22 season is scheduled to make uh, $8.6 million. For instance, that's, you know, that's not nothing. Um, you know, Frank Milikina has a roster, a, a cap hold. Um and who you know, and you you obviously go into whether or not they should resign him or whatever. Um, the dead cap money that was the thing that really knocked my socks off. And when I looked at your and your chart, I'm like, wait, this has to be a mistake. You know, all this dead cap money not only next year, but the year after that. But then I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, Noah's cap dead six million is gonna be on the books for both years, and then whoever they don't bring back of all of those, you know, one million dollar guarantee guys that those are on for a million a pop. Um, and then the year after that, if they can't find the taker for Randall's contract, that's another 4 million. So that's your, that's your 10 next year or in 21, as well. Um, and it's like, you know, 62 million you have as the number that we would be projected to have to spend in 21, 22. And maybe we could get into a little bit of what that might mean in terms of like, you know, th- should they be, thinking to max slots, which I know you're saving for a future article, but um, you know, it's not, it, I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but that was my main takeaway. What, what was, did you have like one overarching takeaway after you went through this whole
1: exercise? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, certainly the prospect and it's, it's very possible where almost one tenth of the salary cap is going to go to dead money. And it wouldn't even matter because the Knicks would still have the most cap space in the league. So, um, the richest, the
0: the poor, it's better. It's, I want to get your analogy right because it was really good. It's best.
1: Um, yeah, let me, (laughs) I've I've got it pulled up. Just, just it's better to Um, be a
0: poorer Jeff Bezos among poor people than a richer Jeff Bezos (laughs) among rich people. Which, in your, the reason you use this, I I recommend everybody go read the piece, but you, you basically made the analogy because of the fact that if the cap goes down, um, everyone's going to be scrambling. Because you know the the cap is going to go down, and they're going to be looking to dump contracts potentially, and um, or free agents aren't going to be able to have access to the contracts they usually would have. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah, it's leverage, and you know the thing about the salary cap for for free agents is that the the percentages stay the same; they're constant. It's just that the amounts are then dictated by what the salary cap is. So obviously. If you're a Knicks fan, you really want it to go down by quite a bit because, sure, it shrinks your cap space, but it also shrinks what free agents are eligible to earn. And as a result, they might be more interested in one-year deals. And I know that a lot of fans are certainly not interested in that. Uh, I, I totally get that from a mercenary standpoint. But And this is what my next article is really going to be about. It's, it's going more towards the, yeah, there is a lot of flexibility. How much can we realistically get? How do we get there and what would it even be spent on? But I'd say my biggest takeaway from all of this is that Julius Randle has to be gone. In one way or another, he's got to go. And we've talked about this from a playing standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, you know, $4 million is, um, you can swallow it. There are ways to be able to open up a lot of cap space and just cut him, take the $4 million in, in dead salary and move on. You can also stretch that. Uh, it would mean that there is, I want to say, well, I, I I probably have it somewhere. Yeah, you it's have like, it in there. Yeah, if you stretched Randall, then you'd have seven million seven hundred sixty-four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars in dead money between him and Joakim Noah.
0: In the um, twenty on
1: the twenty-one twenty-two gap, yeah. Correct, and you know that's it's not. Um, it's, it's not a huge issue, but also when you consider the fact that every dollar really counts in that situation, when you keep chipping away at the available cap space that you have, it becomes a little bit more problematic. Especially if the salary cap in 2021 doesn't raise to $125 million as it's previously been projected. So in my mind, getting him out and not just getting him out, but getting him out for one of the the two things, uh, one, trading him for uh, trading him this Offseason or next year for salary that expires outright in uh, 2021 or guaranteeing his contract and then dumping him to another team and not taking any money back in after 2021 free agency starts. Yeah. I,
0: I've, I've been thinking about not to get off track, but I've been thinking about Randall a lot and more and more. I just, I, I think they'll trade him eventually, but, um, I, unless it's in a trade for um a a bigger a bigger name, bigger salary player this offseason, I I would actually be surprised if they traded him in like one of the types of trades that we've bantied about on this podcast several times and just took him into next year and tried to rehab his value because I, I just I don't know, I just can't see Leon Rose in like one of his first official moves Um, as team president, essentially salary dumping that contract, which is what I think we both agree. That's the only way you're going to get rid of him right now. Um, Because I don't think anyone's going to pay uh, any kind of a a premium for him. Let's talk about Kevin Knox. um, Because Mark Berman, as you reminded me uh, before we came on, had an article on Knox, uh, I think it was two days ago, uh, or maybe yesterday, I don't know, I lose track of the days. But basically said that Leon Rose was really looking forward to getting to see him over the last 15, 16 games. Um, and because of that, there is now, I guess some possibility that exists that they will um, not pick up the fourth year option on Knox. And, and for anybody who doesn't remember from the, uh, what happened with Nilakina and Dennis Jr. earlier this season, That decision on whether to pick up a rookie's fourth year option essentially needs to be made. I I freak, is it like a couple before the third year even starts, right? It's like before the end of training camp, I think? Or is it maybe, yeah, okay. So there's a very good chance that we will not see Kevin Knox play another um, basketball game, or maybe not a very good chance, a decent chance. We're not going to see him play another game um, that counts at least. Before they have to make that decision. That number is you have it here is five point eight million dollars. What I, I I don't even know what to say because to me, on one hand, it's like that would be insane not to pick up the fourth year option of the guy you just spent the eighth pick in the draft on. And yet, you know, if they didn't pick it up on Frank, I think a lot of people would have been like, Yeah, it's not exactly a shock. What what do you what do you think in there? You
1: know it's not cheap. Obviously, I, I, I it's struggle not nothing. with it's not not at all. Especially again, if, if the Knicks find themselves planning or in a situation where they're they're trying to get two big name guys um, with Knox. You know, we were joking before we started that he feels like the ugly redheaded stepchild of the Knicks. You don't have to throw and, in ugly; just all right. redheaded stepchild all right, is well, enough. I'm, I'm one of those things and it's, it's, I'm ugly. No, it, it's the redhead. <laughs> it's the redheaded part. That's me. Speaking of which, I actually found a, my first white hair today. That was terrifying. Anyways. Um, good job, you. Quarter, quarter life crisis aside with Knox. The thing is I find it really fascinating to not pick up that option just because of the fact that, you know, we saw Josh Jackson, his option wasn't picked up. And the good news for the Grizzlies is if they want to retain him, they can offer him up to uh, the salary that they would have paid him regardless. The problem is that if they wanted to trade him, even though his value was so low, they now can't because he's not entering a contract year. He's he's or he's not entering the year where he's going to then be a restricted free agent. He's automatically an unrestricted free agent already. Yeah. So you lose a lot of leverage there, and there are probably a lot of teams that are not very high on Knox. I think for the right combination. Uh, of assets going back. If you want to call him that, then he can be had. But it's just, to me, the idea of not guaranteeing that. And it also gets really tricky with Calipari because Rose and Calipari are very close. And Berman just interviewed Calipari who said, you know, it'd be a mistake to, to not have him come back. And he, he just needs time. He's a project, all these things. And he's free to say whatever he wants. He's obviously a biased source, But to me, it feels very – it's just a very awkward situation if the Knicks, after Calipari says that, and he's free to, again, say whatever he wants, but for them to hear those comments, we know Leon Rose is very close with Calipari, and then just flat out not guarantee a fourth year on Knox's contract, effectively putting him on borrowed time with the Knicks.
0: Yeah. um, So the other thing that we should note, is in that article um, is that apparently his Knox's camp was not um, thrilled with the fact that even after the trade deadline and Morris you know went away, like Knox still wasn't getting um a lot of time like the whole Harkless starting and playing 25 minutes a night thing. We never really talked about that, but like that that didn't make any sense uh, whatsoever. And then, you know, you had to snippet in there about, like, Leon Rose just basically told Mike Miller to keep winning games, which is what Scott Perry had continued to tell him. So it's – it's I don't know. It, it all – it best- That
1: was the most interesting thing for me. Yeah, for the yeah. entire article, the fact that Mike Miller said that, – that, um excuse me, Leon Rose said to Mike Miller, keep winning games. I thought that was fascinating because when Leon Rose took over, the Knicks were just clinging to that fourth worst record. And yeah. now – Um, I guess it would, it was really what a week and a half or so later where the season ended and obviously we couldn't have predicted that would necessarily happen, but the Knicks then fell behind both of the teams that they were ahead of. And so to me, that indication of it, one, yes, it's very fair of Leon Rose to say to Mike Miller, I want you to to win games because that's, you know, you're fighting for your job. I get that. Um, But it also would have been really interesting for him to say, you know, let's let's try a different approach i really want to see how these guys do with development and again he probably did not anticipate a global pandemic but what fascinated me about that was it says to me that if if leon rose isn't if he's not dead set from the moment he gets in there of you know just kind of throwing in a towel on this season saying let's start fresh next year it says to me that He's really eager to turn this around as quickly as possible, and maybe that's off base because again, extraordinary. But I don't know. Just the vibes I get from that, and and I talk about this in my piece coming out this week, where I really think that this team is going to, or this front office rather, is going to look for quick fixes, maybe not at the expense at the young talent or of the young talent, um, at least the best players that are on the team, but enough where. I just don't foresee them doing a a kind of the type of rebuild that we might expect from a smaller market franchise.
0: I, I think even let me, let me rephrase that. I, the, the Knox thing about them potentially having doubts about picking up the option screams that to me, it, the, the, Him basically telling Miller to win games, um, I'm not putting too much in because if you think about it from his perspective, he comes in, um, I mean, he got hired. Well, the rumor was that he got hired or or whatever. He was rumored to be hired and he's tied up loose ends. He officially joined the team and he was with the team for what, two weeks before the season got shut down? Is that roughly accurate? I think it was closer to 10 days. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So not even two weeks. I'm gonna, I'll am i give him a pass because there's a very, I think there's a very good possibility that with, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 games left, which is essentially what there is now, I guess, because they played, what, 66? Right, yeah, 66, so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. 15, 16 games left. Um, we The season may have, for all we know, gotten shut down at the exact moment he was going to turn around and be like, all right, the la- it's the last fifth of the season. I've spent the last two weeks getting a feel for guys like, you know, Bobby Portis and Mo Harkless and Alfred Payton start playing the kids. Let's get into better draft position. Um, and again, for, that's, I'm choosing to look on the, the bright side, I guess, so to speak. Um, because I mean, if he just, if they kept playing Mo Harkless and, you know, nothing against Mo Harkless, but like Harkless, Portis and all these guys until the end of the season, it just, I mean, it would have made no sense. Okay. So that's, Interesting. You also talk about Nilakina, which we don't have to spend too much time on. You give him the possibility, or you 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 float the possibility of a three to four year deal between um, for between eight and twelve million dollars a year. I think you're high, not high um, as in like on cocaine. Although <laughs> you may be, um, I you wrote paying twelve million dollars a year might feel a little pricey. I think it's pricey. And I say this as captain of whatever is uh president of Frank Island or whatever the, you know, our, our little condo association there. I love Frank. I just, I'm like, what if Frank was, if Frank Nelkina was available on the open market this summer, what would he get? And my inclination is to say that he would get like a two plus one, like the third year be a team option at something like, I don't know, 6 million bucks a year, maybe somewhere along those lines. Like I, and like, I'm not sure where, I'm not sure where Nilakina's negotiating power is that he would see a number as high as you, you profit.
1: So, the way I was thinking was, uh, and I know Alex Wolf basically kind of compared players, and I think you've probably done this in the past too. Compared similar players and their contracts. So I looked at a player like Dante Exum, yeah, who I the comp. got like three thirty-three, um, so eleven per year. Marcus Smart got around twelve million dollars a year. Uh, they were, I think, the Exum comp, were, by the uh, way,
0: is much more is much sounder and more. What's the opposite of disingenuous? It's more, gen- <laughs> more genuine? Genu- genuine. Yeah. It's more, <laughs> I think the comp is more genuine than the Marcus. Sm- Cause was like from essentially like day one, right. we knew Marcus smart, like had a certain effect on, on winning. Whereas with Frank, there are people like me and you who argue that, but it's still an argument. Like the data is not
1: there as much. You get, you get what I'm saying? Sure. Absolutely. So, Dante Exum really didn't show very much with his time on the Jazz. He was hurt repeatedly. He, I think, he missed more games in his first three years, maybe even four years, than he actually played. And yet they still gave him eleven million dollars. Um, does that mean that's the baseline? Not necessarily. But I looked at that where, and I also thought, okay, well, if he's also if Frank's getting a contract, what? Um, Three years afterwards, and if the salary cap goes up by $25 million or so, maybe even 30 depending on on where it all shakes out, an extra $1 million or so wouldn't be absolutely insane. It, it might feel crazier now because we're in the present. Um, and, and I agree. I think that $12 million is probably a little bit on the higher end, but the reason I did that was... Because of the fact that we saw what Frank was doing, and what we can't rule out is the possibility that next year he inflates his value to the point where now he's not getting lowballed. Maybe twelve million dollars is still too high, but it's the sort of thing where if we're going for the sake of projections and he's trending up, then you're starting to slowly enter that territory. And so that's really more where I was going. Because because right now I wouldn't pay Frank Nilakina twelve million dollars a year, but who knows what happens the next? I mean, it depends on when the schedule resumes and, and basketball picks up again. But who knows what happens by the end of his fourth year? So I, I was just kind of allowing for a little bit more space, like uh, like when you buy shoes, you don't buy shoes that that come right up to your foot. You have a little bit of wiggle room. <laughs> That's, so I like that guy. That's how
0: I was doing it. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. Um I don't think Frank is an uh, extension candidate. I, I again, this is not me talking as like what me and you want. I, I think both of us would love if they were like, "Here, we'll give you, you know, 4 years uh 25 million dollars or something along those lines like this summer um you know, and kind of dare him not to take it. I just, we like, those deals don't happen in the NBA, and with everything that we've been talking about with Leon Rose, kind of the approach he seems to be taking, where it's going to be an attempt to win sooner rather than later, and for all the reasons we talked about, every dollar counts, um, the decision on Knox, like, it it doesn't seem to be trending in that direction.
1: The smart play is to let him enter free agency, see what teams are that interested, and you have retaining power. So it's I mean yeah, it but that, an it's extension. also
0: that's dangerous because well, we, the other thing we didn't talk about though was which is the cap hold which you factor into your cap projections for 20 uh 21 22 and it's obviously a massive cap hold it's 18 million dollars. So the way I um, I guess my my point is that you're so you're talking about having like yes you have matching rights but that if they really do have designs on Making him a long-term piece wouldn't, wouldn't that wouldn't that compromise them so much, such that they would need to relinquish that if they really had other designs on bringing in names via free agency? You know what I'm saying?
1: I do, um, and not necessarily because basically, if the Knicks found a suitor for Julius Randall and essentially wiped his salary clean off the books. Wholeheartedly, um, they would be at around sixty point eight million dollars. If you wipe away Frank right away, then you can open up to max contracts. Um, But if you don't, then it gets a little bit more interesting um, because essentially, then you have more money to play with. You could essentially sign Frank and keep everyone except for Knox. This is the other thing. I think that Kevin Knox or Frank Nielakino, one of them likely is gone before summer twenty twenty one if things start to come together. Like I the can one I, thing I, okay, one can I, I go don't I'll go see, a step
0: further but finish, yeah.
1: The one thing I don't want to see is more of a 2010 free agency route, which is trading things away just to clear cap space. I I would imagine the Knicks are smarter than that by this point and that they've wisened up a little bit, where it would basically be okay, we've got players on the books or at least one more player. So yeah, we we see a huge situation unfolding in front of us that we're really excited about. Uh, we have to trim fat. Great, we can either just renounce Frank Ntilikina's cap hold, or we can trade away Kevin Knox for no salary in return. And you can you can essentially do that if 125 million is the stagnant amount. Uh, you could you could trade away Knox for no salary in return. Trade away Randall for no salary in return at some point over the next year and a half. And then you could sign a player like Frank Nalakina, could be anyone, honestly, for up to $10.2 million and still have enough room for two max slots if that's something that presents itself.
0: Yeah, they could. I mean, look, they have this entire conversation has made me want them to finalize the deal with that um, cap expert in um, Cleveland. Uh, What's it, Brock? Brock Aller. Brock Aller, yeah.
1: Although the thing that I'll say, and I got this from the Seth Partno interview that I did with uh, Schwinn and Doug, um, basically everyone by this point, or most most executives, should be cap specialists. Maybe Brock Aller is, is among the best, but it's less of a specialty and it's more of just a general requirement for that position, which <laughs> I, I found interesting at the time, but, but please continue.
0: There's caps. But yeah, but listen. There's cap specialists and or in, let me rephrase that in any field. There's specialists and then there's specialists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, if he's the best, then I want the best. There, it's there's so many moving parts here, and there's so many unknowns. I want to know that somewhere in the offices of of Four Penn Plaza, there is a room with like literal, like there are literal like poster papers up all around the room like a you know like a crazy person would do with like all of the different possible scenarios like literally mapped out um on paper like in one space like that's what i want that's in my in my deranged dreams like i i hope that that is actually gonna happen before the summer because again there's so much unknown and you open the article but you say that you're projecting 115 million for next season, even though there's a very good chance it's going to be below that. That's just like one of the many, many, many unknowns. Um, My prediction that as I was hearing you talk, I think one of Frank or Knox is going to be traded this summer. That's my, that's my prediction. And I think they're going to be traded as like a throw in for a name player. And I, I don't want to posit who yet. I'm going to save it for you. You're going to do your article this week on some big names. I'll save my thoughts on some big names for for our podcast next week. Um, but I just, I don't know. I have a funny feeling. Like we keep, you, you know, you you've laid out everything as it stands ahead of 2021, which is again, Giannis and Kawhi could be possibly available if he opts out of his player option, which he probably will. I. I don't know, man. I get the sense they're going to go a different route. I get the sense that they are going to acquire some name players, um, and not, not necessarily the type that are going to make fans happy. Um, but before that, and that's that's just my gut feeling. And what your, I think what your cap sheet lays out is that even if they do that, it still doesn't hamstring them completely, um, which is which is interesting. And you know, again, it depends on some other things and like the Capels and Julius Randall and all this stuff. So I, don't know. I
1: will say uh, in terms of Frank versus Knox, I, I agree. I think one of them is probably gone during free agency. Um, I don't say this as a Frank supporter. Uh, and I certainly don't say this as a Knox hater. Cause I, I don't hate Frank, but I will say, I think that Knox is more likely to go than Frank because I, so I asked Ian Begley what his thoughts were on Mello, and he said, I said on a scale of one to ten, with ten being, you know, it's guaranteed to happen, and one being it's not going to happen, where do you think, based on the people you've talked to... Did he did he answer? Yeah. For, Can for I guess Mello his in. answer?
2: Sure. Go right ahead. Uh,
1: one to ten? One to ten. He
0: just said seven seven 7.5 or 8.
1: He said eight or 8.5. There you go. Okay. So my theory here is that the easiest person to probably move in this case, especially if winning is a greater goal right away, would be moving Kevin Knox Um, because he's still a project. There's still more room for him to grow. Um, You know that you can trust Frank Nilakina on one side of the ball. And while Knox is improving on defense, he's he's still nowhere near where he needs to be. And again, it'll take time. I just don't, if we're to assume that Carmelo Anthony is coming back, whether you like it or not, if we're to assume that he's back, the players that he would be playing around, it's much easier to move Knox and give him playing time in a place where he can actually grow instead of stagnate than trading away Frank and keeping Knox on the roster.
0: I completely agree with you. Um, I would be pleasantly surprised. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they were both here to start next season, but I would be, I would be surprised. Um, let's just, let's just say that. I'm um, trying to think of anything else. The, the one thing when we don't, we've talked about it in the past, and we don't have to spend uh, really any time on it. You, you do make it a good point about um, two good points. I want to. We'll leave on these before we. Um, move on to the second half of the podcast. Um, One, the Ingram matching situation. A lot of fans want um, the Knicks to make a play for Brandon Ingram. You make the very good point that that would essentially tie up their cap space. I think you noted for like eight days. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, Because of the nature of how offer sheets work and uh,
1: like six days from the moratorium and then two days for the offer sheet. And the Pelicans could very easily just say, you're you're giving us this, this shit heap of a contract. All right, well, here's what we're going to do. We, we're going to keep Brandon Ingram, but we're also not going to officially keep him until the very last second. Um, because then we're just going to keep your money tied up for an extra two days. And that would really – that could hurt the Knicks. I say could as opposed to would because – I mean you remember the – lebron james free agency and how it held everyone up for at least a week and a half possibly even more i mean Melo didn't even sign or at least agree to coming back for i want to say close to two and a half weeks yeah we're not going to see a situation similar to that uh in my mind because there's no real elite talent on the market so you know if your best player and i don't mean this is disrespect but if your best player is someone like uh, danilo gallinari or fred van fleet these guys are probably not going to take that long to sign. And even if they do, they're not. it's not like a giant domino effect. If other guys are going to sign regardless of where they decide. It's really just a matter of what teams have enough money and fill enough needs where money can be created. So going through Ingram, unless the Knicks really want him and they're not just trying to do this to screw over the Pelicans, they'd be wise to just stay away and let – some other team, Maybe let the Hawks do it. if they. Really I was about want. to say
0: there are teams that do this type of thing. The Knicks have never been one of them. And I do not think under Leon Rose with what we both believe is Leon Rose's MO, it, the Knicks are not going to be one of them. Um, not now, at least. Um, and the other thing, um, uh, where was it here? I, I think I may have forgotten my last point. That's yeah, fine. I'm sure it wasn't very important. Um, damn it. It was actually, no, it was, it was a good point. And of course I forget was it. it-
1: extensions was it um no it wasn't contracts it
0: wasn't extensions it wasn't the anthony davis thing uh, oh yeah that's it okay you make a very good point about the fact that um we've we've gone on and, on and on and on and on and on on this podcast talking about um mitchell robinson and his trade value never being higher than it is right now because At some point, you're going to need to pay him, and he's represented by Clutch, and they're going to want a lot of money, and the whole thing. Um, But you make a very good point that because of his minuscule cap hold, if the Knicks have a plan in place to essentially – I don't know how else to say this – essentially blow their wad by 2021 (laughs) –
1: uh, no, I mean, I, no, it's it's an accurate way of yeah, phrasing. Right? Yeah, no,
0: if they if they're gonna blow their wad, spend all their cap space by the summer of twenty twenty one, it actually does makes like it does make sense to hang on to him because then you just go over the cap to retain him because again his cap hold is, is so small, um, which made me happy because I was like, oh okay, that's a because like in my heart of hearts, like team building logic aside. Like, I don't want to trade Richard Robinson. I want to watch Mr. Robinson, you know, be the center of the Knicks for the next 10 years. That's what I want. Um, so that that gave me a, a slight sliver of happiness. Um, all right. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Um, anything you want to say before we get out of here?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, I'll have an article out for basically talking about What we've talked about in terms of the the two salary, two max slots, how that would go about. Um, Yeah, you know, also not to not to bring the mood down too, too much, um, but I I found out many of you are probably in a similar situation. I found out that someone I've come into contact with has passed from COVID-19. It was someone who was a really lovely person. I only knew him for a few months, but he and I talked about basketball quite a lot at work And he was a huge Knicks fan. So, um, I I just wanted to, to, you know, for whatever it's worth, bring it up because it's, it, 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 you don't really realize it until it feels a little bit more real, even if you don't know the person super well, but yeah, you know, just, this is a Knicks related podcast. He was a big Knicks fan. Um, yeah, I just hope everyone's staying safe as usual. Uh, I think that is
0: a, um, poignant way to end this half of the pod. Uh, it's you know it's funny i it we you know we talk about the nitty-gritty of this stuff but really you know not to be corny but like more than anything this is is a sport and it's a team that you know brings people together and um i am i am fully convinced that People listen to this podcast not because of any, not because we're particularly great at what we do, but it gives people a sense that, um, they are a member of a community. And, you know, when you lose a member of that community, um, it sucks. And, you know, I'm sure the, the person that you knew is not the only one. Um, I'm sure somebody, you know, people listening out there probably know someone who was also a Nick fan who has passed away because of this. And, um, Yeah, I mean, everybody, as you said, just do your part, make it make you flatten the curve, still a thing. Um, And we'll uh, we shall we shall carry on and get through this together. Um, All right, Jeremy, uh, I will talk to you next week. Enjoy. If you do watch the documentary tonight, enjoy it. I will be watching it live because uh, I will be podcasting about it right afterwards. (laughs) And uh, yeah, let's get to that half of the podcast right now. Hey guys, before we get to the second half of the episode, a very quick reminder. Um, In case you don't know, uh, the wonderful, amazing Andrew Claudio, who is the producer of this podcast and has uh, made it sound about 10 times better over the course of the last several months that he's been producing it, Um, also has a podcast of his own, which I actually appeared as a guest on last week. It's called Final Score. Um, It's available on all major podcast platforms. I just wanted to uh, take two seconds to give him and the show. A very quick plug because um, he's doing this really cool thing. If you're a a movie buff, you'll like this because he's doing a bunch of top 10 of the decade episodes. So uh, he had me on last week to do uh, top 10 actors of the last decade in which um, I, of course, came up with, uh, you know. The, the one true, correct list. And uh, we, we spoke about it for going on probably about an hour and a half. And it was a lot of fun. He's got uh, top 10 movies, uh, two-part episode that's already up. I know he's going to be doing top directors, top... Um, uh actresses uh i hope to resurface on the top comic books episode um but uh it's a fun podcast uh if you like movies and um after this is all over he'll get back to talking about sports and stuff too but uh definitely check that out subscribe if you haven't already one more time that's uh final score uh hosted by andrew claudio Um, As promised, a little uh, post-game recap of uh, the closest thing we're going to get to a a basketball game for a while. With me on the line are my two degenerate friends, Bernard and Yash. Um, Bernard, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing horribly. Quarantine (laughs) is is not great, but I'm happy to be on your podcast.
0: That's great. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who don't know, which I think would everybody, Bernard is existing with um, a very small child in a one-bedroom New York City apartment. So kudos to you, Bernard. Yash, uh, how are things in St. Louis?
3: You know what? Pretty fantastic because I have uh, what are called bedrooms in my place living in the Midwest (laughs) and uh, also single and childless. So this whole quarantine situation is pretty fantastic,
0: actually. Fuck you, yeah. yeah. Even
3: quarantender.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Um. It, it, I
3: like we, that we've dispensed with cover names too.
0: Oh, what did I say? I no, I kept it to to. Oh wait, did I say Bernard? Oops.
3: Yes, I, you I, I said Bernard. Care. Bernard is fine.
0: <laughs> Bernard's gonna be divorced by the time this airs anyway, so it's fine. Um. Okay. So um, we all just watched uh the Last inch which um. I gotta say, I don't know if it's that I'm just missing missing sports a lot, but that was uh, that was outstanding. I I thought that was a great wait. uh, Yes,
2: we're we're talking about the Last Dance. I thought we were talking about the Netflix series Too Hot to Handle on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't. I I saw that text earlier from you, and I literally don't know what that show is. That is a reality show.
2: It is. It's a Netflix show about sex addicts who oh, are God. trapped in a resort together who need to not have sex or else they give up all of their money.
0: Really? Yeah. I'll watch that. Um, not right now, um, but I will <laughs> at some point, preferably. But without no, me.
2: last Dance was awesome.
0: Yeah. No, it was. Um, I, I do I think the the inner. I don't know what my favorite part was either. the 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 clips from the 97, 98 season were pretty good. Um, but I think the interviews like that they conducted now, looking back, um, were great. And I also like the way they kept intermittently going back to like different points in time uh, before 97, 98. Yash, what, what are your initial impressions uh, or, or your takeaways from the first two episodes?
3: Uh, well, first off, Michael Jordan's mom, I looked this up during the commercial
0: breaks. Oh, this is going to be good. years old. I don't believe it.
3: 78 years old and still looks fantastic. We need to hide her from Delonte West.
0: <laughs> okay, not canceled uh, yet, so we're doing okay. Keep going.
3: My, my second takeaway is I have no idea how underpaid Scotty Pippen was. I had no idea that he was 122nd in salary in the NBA that last year with the Bulls. Which is just, okay, you have 30 teams in the league. You have five starters. 80% of the starters in the league were making more money than Scottie Pippen, who was, at worst, a top-five player. A guy who, when Michael Jordan retired the first time, the Bulls lost exactly two fewer games without Michael Jordan because of how good Scottie Pippen was. So it was a disgrace that Jerry Reinsdorf didn't agree to redo his contract. And uh, d- should I say what my full thoughts are, or do you really? No, want no, to- we, we
0: we we can. Uh, we'll, you know what? Why don't we keep those for our text uh, conversation? <laughs> but thank you for for offering. Um, we, you know what? I actually think of all of like the old uh, basketball debates that I'd like to have, Scott. Like how underrated Scottie Pippen is historically is. is Probably up there for me. Um, I wasn't gonna fuck my summer up. Is my gets my vote for quote of the episode or you know, of either episode? Oh my God. I guess. Unbelievable. What Bernard? Do you have any other contenders for for favorite quotes or or moments?
2: The the single best moment of the episode is uh, if you read, there's someone with some wit who who's putting the words on the screen. But whoever came up with Barack Obama, former <laughs> Chicago resident, that's fantastic. That was <laughs> yeah, but, I, I also see, tell yeah. you, the yeah, person that misspelled Isaiah Thomas's name, and I have to think that that was MJ doing it on purpose. Oh, absolutely. So, so wait a minute, oh, yeah. hold
0: on, because you texted that, and I. I... I missed it, but because he spells his name with only five letters, so did they spell? No, it? he
2: he spells it I S A I A H, and the show had it as I-S-I-A-H.
0: I, uh, I, I, I have to I have to correct you, sir. I believe oh, I no, believe right. I believe you are getting him confused with the other Isaiah Thomas. The uh, blame yeah, I think on Mac on was right on this one. <laughs> yeah. I it's it's fine. Um I actually I kind of wish they had done that cuz that would have been pretty fucking spectacular. I you know what I did enjoy that they got they got Isaiah in there for like a 5 second clip. Um even even that's I think that was disrespectful enough. They didn't even have to misspell his name. Um Yeah, I um it was really good, man. What was going on with Jordan's eyes though? Cuz my wife said the same thing as you. It was like red, right? They were red?
2: He's like jaundiced or something. He's got this weird like yellow zombie tinge around his eyes.
0: <laughs> has he always had that and we've that just never noticed it or next to him. Yeah, oh I mean, my it, god, did like, you notice the scotch? No, I think that was like a dark and stormy or something, because there was a there was a, 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 U, a like a some some kind of color to going on there.
2: We just can't afford scotch that has that color. <laughs> <That's
3: actually laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy was drinking scotch the entire time he was being interviewed. That may have something to do with it.
0: It. I also liked in uh, when he was talking about the rest of the Bulls team doing lines all the time. Um, oh, that was
3: fantastic! His, oh,
0: unbelievable! It was in great.
3: Peoria, Illinois. Okay, like you, the two of you have never had the misfortune of ever traveling to Peoria, Illinois. Have you? So, I. Was there on the way to a dance performance?
0: Of course you and know there
3: there is there's is nothing to do in Peoria, Illinois,
0: other than dance
3: <laughs> other other than oh no it was a stop on the way to dance in an even smaller town in Illinois called Centralia that has like 10,000. Anyway, nobody needs to know this. I, th- I know. Actually, that-
0: I think, uh, how many people were doing lines there? Uh, when you, when you were brought down, <laughs> you know, not enough,
3: not, <laughs> three, not enough. Don't they all do math now? Isn't that how it works? R- Okay, why does every Bulls former bench former look like they deal meth in Southern? America? No, they don't all look like they deal
2: meth. They all look like they're youth ministers, which is like red state coding for child
0: molesters. Oh God, that might get me canceled. Um, I <laughs> la- I enjoyed uh, Bill Wennington's. Uh, I, you can't. That's not a full man chew. That's that was a. What it's was some that? Tony Stark shit. Yes. Yeah, he was channeling Tony Stark, except not tony stark at all <laughs> um, no like the not anti, at all like the anti tony stark no but i did it. i enjoyed when jordan was talking about the coke that he made sure to specify he's like yeah i didn't drink uh then um as if there was any confusion about that
2: <laughs> pa- Paxson looks like that dude who plays rorschach and Watchmen, and in every <laughs> other role that guy plays a child molester
0: <laughs> oh jesus Um, yeah, Pax, uh, Pax is not having his best, uh, day, I guess. The bald, the bald goatee look is not, I don't know who decided somewhere along the way that that was a good look. Um, it's not, um, it it didn't work for, for Pax. I'm trying to think who, who looked good. You know who looks good? Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad Rashad looked (laughs) fit in the episode you, you
3: know what else about he sounds exactly the same oh yeah sounds great I'm, the, it's just it, the crisp clear voice of Ahmad Rashad why like, isn't he working
0: work. anymore like what is it like an NBC thing like is or is he is he working and I just thought like I'm not noticing it I feel like I, don't, I haven't seen him on TV in a long time I, I don't know either I mean
3: it's like with Carson Dale you see him once a year when he's doing the uh, New Year's Eve show and then he goes in hibernation the rest of the year. <laughs>
2: I, <laughs> I, 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 for one was I was here for Bob for young baby rookie year Jordan Bob Costas with his Justin Bieber haircut. Oh my Ooh, God, uh, that's was was really not flattering.
0: Something. Costas has had because I um, I don't know if either of you guys have read uh, the Pluto ABA uh, oral history loose balls uh, best basketball book I've ever read. There's a, there's some Costas a fantastic in, title. It, well, it, and it gets only better from there. There's some Costas stuff in there because he—that he, guy's had a hell of a career. Um, he looked pretty good though, too. Now you know, and uh, you know we gotta say it. Magic Johnson, man, gotta get me some of those uh, HIV <laughs> drugs because it's keeping. It doesn't look at they over 45.
3: Yeah, they they double as anti-aging drugs too. It's <laughs> that do they have those. I don't... <laughs> It's it's the it's actually the super soldier serum from Captain America. <laughs> <And he's just laughs> oh my God. Actually, you, you know who
2: still looks like he can go is is Charles Oakley. Oh,
0: and man. You know, know,
2: he's not popular in Knicksland land these days. But the best moment of those two hours might have been the him hazing Pippen, holding him up by by his golf shirt up against the whiteboard and then slapping him in the face. And that was
0: pretty great. He tra- he he ragged them. It was it was as he if really he was, it was very, quite dismissive. No, that was um, oh god. I feel so conflicted because now I feel like we're not allowed to like anything about Oakley anymore. It's not that's not how I want to live my life
3: um uh, is that the consensus now because I, I disagree completely i know my favorite player and i'm never giving it up
0: I, w- w- listen bernard you don't you don't abide by the normal rules and confines of society <laughs> yeah <I> should, <laughs> you, you nor, barely nor
2: do. of nick's twitter for that matter
0: yeah that's that, that's that's why i love you um i don't know i i felt a little a little conflicted um but it was good to see oak oak looks good um I don't even know how old Oak is. He's, he probably got to be fifty something. Who the hell knows? Um, I'm trying to think what else. What, what, what were some other big ones before we get out of here? We're gonna, should we do this every week? Is this going to be an every week thing? Unless yeah, like, I
3: think you we got to do a quick one every week. Yeah, oh, we I'm here for it. Yeah.
0: Well, you got the hour time difference. It's it's late for me. It's um it's 11:15. Do you know how late that is? I haven't stayed up till 11:15 since I don't know when. Um, oh, I remember. I remember.
3: I'd be like texting you. Um, after Knicks games, and uh, you'd already be asleep. Listen, I, was, and oh, then
0: I, uh, I waste no time. And then I'd
3: get a response. I, I wouldn't get a response from you until like five a.m. because you're the only person who texts at five a.m. Well,
0: I, t- I handle my business from the night before. I think as any as any polite person would. Um, <laughs> B- Bernard, what are we? Uh, what are we missing? What didn't we hit on before we get out of here?
2: Oh, yeah. You one one thing I thought was remarkable is that Jerry Krause is like the number one. He looked like a fat pussy toad.
0: <laughs> he really it, does. What doesn't didn't but, um he get referred to as a fat? Oh no, that was um that
2: that that's Heddeck Hideki
0: or I was about to say by Steinbrenner. Yeah, that's good. Okay, but uh,
2: I, I got to tell you, uh, my my takeaway from this is that that guy is like the father of basketball sabermetrics. Here he is paying a. A top 10 guy in the NBA, a top five guy in the NBA, the 122nd highest salary. He's got his own version of the Jabba rules with this seven minutes a game shit driving everybody insane. But you know what? <laughs> it kept him healthy and he's putting up 63 against that unbelievable Celtics team.
0: So I'm looking at um, Scotty's salaries right now. Um God, $765,000 he made before he signed that contract in ninety-one, So his, he tripled the salary. In, in, in Scotty's – actually, sorry, my math is off. He nearly quadrupled his salary um, in, in signing that long-term deal. The weird thing is his second – the second year of that deal, it was $3.4 Then it started to go down. Then it was 3.1, 2.2, two point, then he went back up to 2.9. What the, who the fuck was his agent? My God. But in any case, <laughs> then he went to Houston, played and uh, made $11 million in 98, 99, then went up to 14 million, 13 million, 18, 19. All right, so Scotty got paid. So we, we shouldn't feel too bad for, for Scotty.
3: Yeah, so Macri, if you notice, we saw – Jordan's agent in the documentary. There's a reason we didn't see Pippen's agent. <laughs> <laughs> this, is just,
0: this is very. Uh, this is very true. Yeah. No, that was. Um, yeah. No, Kraus does come off like a little toad. He's got. He was. He's so unlikable. He's got to be one and, of the most unlikable people you've ever seen on screen.
3: For, and for all the positives that Bernard just mentioned, I mean, he broke up that Bulls team. And if you look, I mean, Jordan when he came back with the Wizards three years later. People don't remember before he hurt his knee. He was in the MVP discussion. That's, that's how then. He was uh, that listen, first year.
0: listen, 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 y- youngster. If you don't
3: break that Bulls team up,
0: wait. Are you talking? He-, he was not in the MVP discussion when he was with the Wizards, Josh. That is, I mean, I mean gosh,
3: That's
2: just not even remotely true. I uh, live. Okay, there's an account that. on Hold Twitter on,
3: called MJ's Goat, which shared the stats him and T Mac head to head. At one point, how well Jordan was doing with those Wizards. Oh,
0: my God. For fuck's sake, oh, they weren't any good. I remember that. Trust me. I watched. A, I was very, very into Because don't forget, that was when the Knicks had already fallen by the wayside. It was, I believe, the last Spreewell year in, yep. in New Probably, York. yeah. Yeah. Um, the
3: reason I bring it up is just because... He was still good. ...because the they've won. Um, if they had paid... Scotty and kept Phil and not broken up that team and you look at how bad the Bulls were after that
0: that's like asking that's like asking how much longer is Lily gonna keep Bernard around it doesn't matter like yeah she could probably keep him around for another couple of years but once it's done it's done you want the fucking guy out of the house they all were sick of each other it needed to break up that's it it was over
2: as soon as the quarantine ends I'll be out on the street (laughs) <laughs> if you're kind that kind keep me around through the quarantine.
0: Um. By the way, I'm I'm just looking. The, we'll end on this. I was. Uh, do you know who originally possessed the draft pick that was used to pick Scottie Pippen? The, New York the Knicks. Knicks. That would be the New York Knicks traded as a future pick. Um. Not even that much. They traded the pick in November of 86. They traded an 87 first rounder less than a year before. What fucking idiots. Um, And a 1990 second round pick. And do you know who they got? They got Gerald Henderson. Okay, and and in fairness, they got the first round pick that became Mark Jackson. So not a... I would rather have Scottie Pippen. Well, I mean...
3: I don't think that
0: that's...
2: uh, Oh... Um, Jet, John, minute, permit me 30 seconds of being a film geek.
0: Yes, please.
2: So the, the smartest thing that that Jason Hahir, the the director, does yeah. is in the first 10 minutes of this thing, he establishes his credibility so that it's not just a pure love affair with Jordan by showing him be a total prick. To that guy in Paris who's asking him for an autograph. Oh, I love and that. And just looking at him dismissively, like he's a lower life form for not knowing the rules. Well, actually, By criticizing Jordan in the first ten minutes, he he brings weight and heft to everything else he does with it.
0: I very this is this is why you get paid to do this. I'm, I'm so I'm so proud of you that I can say that. But it wasn't even <laughs> Jordan made it better. He looked at the guy and then he turned around and looked at someone behind him as if, yes. "Can you go tell this?" Fuckwad to like what the rules are because clearly he doesn't know. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, no, that was wonderful. Oh. Y- Yash what were you gonna say? Uh,
3: one last quick thing to end on, please. More iconic Chicagoan: Michael Jordan or Barack Obama? I'll let Bernard go first because I have a quick rebuttal. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> Barack Obama's is uh, the the as the film so astutely said former Chicago resident. His uh, loyalties are, are tied to many places in the country, to Hawaii, to Washington, D.C. Jordan put Chicago on the map. He took a garbage dumpster fire team and made them a legit franchise, made Chicago a basketball city.
3: It's Jordan, no question.
0: Yash, uh, yes, right. you're, you're, you're on M- the clock.
3: Yeah, my quick rebuttal to that is school will still be open on Michael Jordan's birthday, but it is not in Illinois as of a couple years ago on Barack Obama's birthday. Is that a fact? Honestly,
2: (laughs) you should tweet that, and they will definitely change that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, August 4th is Barack Obama Day in Illinois.
0: I mean, that's good for him. Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, in 100 years, like – the the idiot middle schooler who doesn't know shit from shit, is he going to be more likely to know the name Michael Jordan or Barack Obama? And my inclination, my inclination is to say Obama, he'll be more likely to know who Obama is for this reason. Like on one hand, I think back of like Babe Ruth, like who was the president when Babe Ruth first got um, like into baseball? Uh, who, I, I like, Austin. I, it was who was the president before Wilson, though.
3: Wilson, uh, Roosevelt's? No, Teddy it didn't. Roosevelt. It didn't oh, go for it, it, Taft.
0: Taft. Was exactly. Right. You fr- exactly. It took yes. So it, it was. It was Taft. So you know, but there's a you know slight difference. Barack Obama's first black president, um, and also like if I asked some kid in school right now that I teach, like who's Jim Thorpe, greatest athlete in the country once upon a time, they wouldn't know who Jim Thorpe is. So. I don't know. I'm going to go with Obama on this one. I, it's tough though. It's tough. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's inconceivable that they're not going to know who Obama is unless that kid is, you know, buying drugs from one of Bill Wennington's descendants, <laughs> and just flunking history class and not reading a book.
0: Um, <laughs> okay. This was uh, fun um, as as always. Yeah. Um, Oh, as I was going to call you Bernard, Oz, whatever, who the hell you are, Yash.
3: do shit. You already <laughs> introduced him as Bernard. So
0: yeah, I know. Clearly, we take this very seriously. Um, thank very you guys serious. for for gracing the uh, the show with your presence and everybody out there. Um, we hope uh, you too enjoyed the first two episodes of the Last Dance. We will be back with another recap next week if I still have a podcast by then. Um, have a great week, everybody.